Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Um, I say that more so because it actually is a pleasure to be up front sharing with you this morning. Um, as uh, Partially as one of the elders here at the church, but then also as one of the supported missionaries here by Crescent Baptist Church. And I uh, want to share a little bit about what's been going on in, in our lives and ministry over the past little while. Uh, if you don't see me in the building on a Sunday morning, uh, it's one of, one of two or three things. Either I'm back there with the kids, or I'm potentially actually speaking at another church on a Sunday, uh, or I'm actually traveling to another part of the world. And so it's nice to be actually here on a Sunday to be with you. Uh, I got actually back into Canada last week on Saturday night from two weeks in Mexico. And I appreciate, well, for those who knew that I was gone, uh, thank you for noticing, and for those of you who didn't, like I said, I'm not surprised. Um, but it's, uh, thank you for those who are praying. This was actually our second trip to Mexico. And last year, we approved this mission organization as a new partner of Friends in Action. And I'll share a little bit about Friends in Action, the organization that I work for, in a second. Uh, but one of the, the things that's focusing on in terms of this project, it's a mission hospital up in the northern part of Mexico. Um, it's in an interesting part of the country. It's in Chihuahua. We're about four hours away from Juarez. And so that has showed up on, on news media and radar uh, a little bit. But in terms of the actual place we're working, it was a fairly safe and secure environment. And uh, this mission hospital has been serving uh, the people, uh, the Tarahumara people, which is one of the largest indigenous people groups in North America, uh, for about 20 years. And, but the struggle that they have is they have no infrastructure, no support for um, the hospital and for the ministries that they have going on there. They also... Uh, about seven or eight years ago, they were actually given well drilling equipment and somebody came and started working with them for about three or four years and then unfortunately he passed away. And so equipment had been left unused for uh, about four years and a bit of a God story came to pass in terms of how we got connected there. Uh, but through your support and through support through Friends in Action, we've been able to partner with this organization to help see it keep moving forward uh, to reach the lost. Uh, amongst the Tarahumara people, there's only probably about 2,000 Christians and over 100,000 people. And it's exciting because in the past 20 years, they've seen a small church starting to be birthed where the indigenous Tara are starting to meet, uh, to reach out and plant churches and share the gospel with their own people. And so this organization helps on a medical level we, and they support uh, the, the Mexican and the Tara pastors that are meeting. And we as an organization come alongside and do that as well. So part of the work when we were there uh, was at the hospital and the other part was actually heading out and drilling a well, which praise the Lord we were able to do. Um, I had someone question some of my, my trips and travel over the past couple of years because two years ago I stepped into the executive leadership role for Friends in Action. And at that time I said I was moving out of field ministry and, and doing trips and into more leadership. And last year I was probably gone... Uh, a lot. Um, it was I think it was between three, three and a half months total of the year I was gone on trips, whether it's down to the U.S. or across to one of the, the five countries that we were serving in. And Lord willing, uh, as time moves on, that will be more so the case where I'm uh, stepping more into, or I am, in the leadership role, not as much international travel and more development of the organization. And I appreciate your prayers and encouragement in that level too, because I came from the field. Megan and I, we served for eight or nine years overseas uh, in Burkina Faso with the well drilling project. I am a hands-on guy. Uh, I am becoming more of an administrative leadership type. And God is definitely at work in me uh, with that too. 
But this upcoming summer, I just want to talk really briefly about this trip that, that you as a church are supporting us on as we go. And I just want to say, just again, as a supportive missionary by the church, thank you. Um, it's not just because you guys are financially contributing to help our family go. It is quite a cost to get a family of four all the way down to the South Pacific in Vanuatu. Oh, we're, there you go. Um, that's where we're going for the six weeks. Um, but it's a fact that as a church, you see, that you see the value in investing in us as a family. Um, as, a, as the one who goes often, I have the conversation with my kids what it means for them to be part of the ministry. And the reality is it's as much a sacrifice to them letting me go, to Megan letting me go, to you as a church letting me go to do these things as it is for myself to go and to be potentially getting into the situations and the circumstances that God brings me to and puts me in. Um, and so I want to thank you for seeing the value in us. I want to thank you in valuing myself and then also the other missionaries that, that sit on the wall outside in the hall. If you don't know who the missionaries of the church are, take a look as you walk down the hall heading out the doors. And take a look and read some of the reports and the news that are coming from them. Um, the reality is it's not just that financially we contribute to a missionary or an international worker serving in overseas. We're, you're also walking alongside of us. And today as we're, as we're talking about what it means to be uh, what I'll be talking about later, uh, a little, in a little bit, uh, Proverbs 17, 17 is a focus for our verse today. Um, I want to, just before getting to that, I want to share just briefly about what we'll be doing as we go uh, over to Vanuatu this summer. So Megan and I and the kids, we're actually going to be helping a host family over there. Uh, Levi and Jen Pittman are their names. Um, and this is what it looks like in terms of the environment. Um, even though Vanuatu is down in the South Pacific, it is definitely not a beach ministry. Uh, we're up in the highlands, up in the mountains. Um, and part of the team is actually going to be exploring the uh, next site for the Vanuatu Water Project, which is a project that's going to take probably five to seven years to complete. It's about a 16 to 17 mile water distribution pipeline. That's piping water down from a mountain stream and distributing it across 30 different villages to a number of clinics and schools. And Lord willing, through this project, spending time with the people working alongside the nationals and in the villages that are being served, Relationships are formed, the doors are open, and we, are, we already know that there's going to be invitations coming to be able to share the gospel. In this culture, it starts with relationship. It starts with trust. And once you have the trust of the people that you're working with, not only are they going to be able to, not only are they going to listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth, they're also going to hear the words that are coming out of their mouth. And our prayer is that the ears and the eyes of their hearts be opened to the truth of the gospel through what is being shared. Uh, go back one. Uh, okay, I had one. There you go, this one. Uh, this is Levi and Jen Pittman. These are our Friends in Action missionaries that we'll be serving alongside. Uh, their three kids are monkeys, and so our kids will be having a good time with them. Uh, Maria is very excited to go. She's going to be helping look after the younger ones. There's actually another teenager that's coming to, to help do childcare. Um, we have a team of 14 that's heading across. And so one of the reasons why we are going is because it's such a large team. And so Megan and I will be responsible for part of the team uh, and Levi, uh, Levi and Jen. Levi is actually gonna be heading inland for two weeks with uh, three of the guys that are the project managers for the water project. So we're going to help support Jen so that her husband can go. 
So in some ways, we're doing the same thing for them as what you guys do for us in terms of supporting us. My family, when I'm gone, we're supporting that family so Levi can go too. For the remaining men that are staying on site, we are doing that. Okay, so three or four years ago, there's actually a cyclone that hit the island and uh, caused probably around $100,000 worth of damage uh, to the water project, or to our uh, ranch location, which is essentially the host for all the ministry areas. So what we're looking to do in two weeks is build a steel structure that's going to roof our mechanical wood shop area. Uh, from this, this is where all of the mechanical servicing is going to be done for the excavation and construction equipment that's being used for the project. So all of this is foundational. All of this is helping us get back to the point where we can actually deliver the ministry services that, are, that have been asked of us and that are needed to move these projects forward. I share all this so that you can be praying. Uh, and I'd ask you guys to continue to be praying for us. For as a family, as we get ready to go, our kids are excited, but I also know it's going to be a stretch for them. Um, we have started to mix foods on the plate. Uh, and for those of you who have parents, you know what I mean by that. Um, and no, our kids are actually pretty good when it comes to food, but they're going to be challenged on the, on the food side. Uh, they're going to be a bit challenged on the sleeping side. Uh, there's not very much electricity in terms of the huts and cabins where we're going to be staying. Uh, thankfully, there's running water. Um, but uh, it's going to be different. But I also know that God's going to be working through that time to help put a, plant a picture in their minds as to what ministry emissions is. And this is really our heart as parents and for my, my heart as a father for them, is that they would know and see what it is that I do, that we do as a ministry and as a family. So that when I go, they have a picture in their mind as I go what I'm doing. So again, I appreciate your support as a church. I appreciate um, what it is that you guys are doing by investing in us to be able to go, to go and do this. Just real quickly, uh, in terms of friends in action, for those of you here who are new who may not know me or haven't had a chance to share the story, the mission organization that we work with uh, is an organization that focuses on supporting church planning and evangelical organizations, Christ followers all around the world. So we, we help in specific ways uh, to help our partners overcome the physical obstacles, challenges, and to open doors and build bridges into communities to share Christ. Uh, as the director of the organization, I'm responsible for six different projects in five different countries. So that means through me, you're part of those ministries too. And so anytime you're wanting to know more about the organization, please come and, and let me know. I'd be more than willing to sit down and talk for two to three hours with you. Um, so just feel free to set aside that time to be able to do that. But last year, uh, we had uh, a series of banquets in the U.S. We actually had one here in Canada. I'm not going to plug that right now, Friendsgiving, October 14th. Um, but uh, for the ones down in the U.S., we actually had a missionary from Ethnos 360, which was uh, the, the new name for New Tribes Mission in the U.S., come and speak to, our, to the people at, the, church, at the, uh, the banquet. And we invited him to come uh, to share stories about what it means to receive support from Friends in Action, a story from the field about what it means to be supported by the organization. Uh, we can share the stories ourselves, but we figured it was better to hear from someone who actually lives it. Greg had worked and served in Papua New Guinea as an ethnos or new tribes missionary for about 12 years as the regional director, and he worked closely with our friends and action workers there. When, when he started to describe the relationship between new tribes and friends in action, he started off with the physical, with the projects that were done. 
Uh, we had built air we had built air strips with the organization. We managed construction projects, mechanical services on boats, trucks, and generators, which helped their missionaries keep doing what they were doing and to be able to go further and uh, be sustained in the in the jungle locations where they were working. Uh, all kinds of different things that, that make it into the newsletter reports that come home, all the different videos that come back that are splashy and that everybody seems to want to hear and know about on this side of the ocean. But then he shared a personal story, and he shared a number of personal things. He shared that our, our Friends in Action people had actually become faithful companions to their mission community in the struggle of living, serving, sacrificing, and walking the journey of being Christ followers in Papua New Guinea. They journeyed with a number of their staff members through times of isolation, both physical and spiritual and relational. They would go out and just spend time in the, in the village, three, four, five hours by plane even sometimes, out to these places where these families were living. Especially when the people were deployed in a remote tribe for months or years at a time. They journeyed through times of cultural tension, of being separated for years from loved ones and from support. He shared stories of the, the, our, our personnel, our workers, becoming family and a comfort to many in the NTM field as they cared for one another, cried for one another, supported and sometimes even bled for each other. Those stories don't often make it in the missionary report. But as one who's lived that in the field as well, that's just as much a part of what it means to serve God overseas. It's just as much a part of what it means to serve God here too, isn't it? The verse that Greg used to define that relationship and ministry with friends is the verse we'll be looking at this morning, Proverbs 17, 17. And God has really been challenging me over the past several months, and actually since I heard him, just to, to think about that verse from the perspective of how does it define my walk, not just only with the Lord, but also with each other in community. Uh, it's, been a, it's become a focused verse for our organization as we look and say, are we being the friend that loves at all times? Are we becoming that brother in times of adversity? It's not a missional verse. It's not a missionary anthem. It's just this simple reminder of what God expects from us. Especially as we, his people, engage with others. For us as a church here, we've begun to adopt this motto of being a community of faith that's a base camp for believers and a lighthouse for the lost. And as part of that, there's an element of true friendship and true relationship that we need to pursue as an authentic community of faith. And I'm going to put this out here. One of the things that I've been reading as I've been preparing for today is there's an author that, that actually recommended and suggested that the mark of true discipleship and following Jesus Christ, following God, is the manner in which we engage in true relationship with each other. So as God has inspired these words... We're going to stop and look at them. Um, for those of you who are used to the 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 verses that we look to follow on a... I am not Pastor RJ. I'm picking one verse. <laughs> um, but the reality is, when we look at the book of Proverbs, we're not meant to just look at one verse. We're, most, we're supposed to think of a lot of other areas that come to mind as God brings and associates these words with different parts of Scripture. So as we do that today, uh, let's just start off with a word of prayer and just ask God to guide us as we look at these words together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. God, it is the day that you have made. 
And Lord, each of us come in from a different place, Father, whether it's been celebrating a great week, great times with family, friends, great stories, or, or maybe someone slinking in here and not really wanting to be here, but recognizing this is where you would have them to be. Lord God, wherever we come from, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, I just, I thank you that we can be present together with you. There is something special about joining with my brothers and sisters here today. And it's the reality that, God, you are there and that you are amongst us. Heavenly Father, as we look in these words and we look and see and discover again what you ask of us in terms of pursuing friendship, in terms of pursuing community, I pray that we be reminded that we're not meant to be in this life alone. And God, as we engage in relationship with you, it's not just meant to be even just between you and, and I, it's meant to be between us. And that the way that we grow in our walk with you is how we live out our faith in relationship to each other. So Lord God, this morning I pray that you would again open our eyes to the words that you would have us to hear, challenge our hearts in the ways that we ought to grow. And Father, just let us walk away with a better understanding of where, who you are and how you want to be part of our lives and what it means to be a follower of you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're starting off with a friend. A friend loves at all times. Um, just to get a bit of context for this verse, friend loves Proverbs 17, 17. Oh, I decided to flip around before coming up. That wasn't smart. Um, Proverbs 17, 17. Just a couple of quick, uh, I guess, by way of uh, explanation where we find the verse in terms of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, of course, is one of the books of wisdom literature that God has given us. Um, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes is typically known as the three books of, of wisdom literature. Uh, as a book, it's a collection of sayings, proverbs, allegory, or story. And the point of it is to teach on how to live wise, godly lives in our attitudes, conduct, and in our personal character. It's meant to be instruction for us in terms of how we engage with each other, both looking internally in terms of our attitudes and the way that we also externally engage with those that are around us, and also how our relationship with God is supposed to affect both naturally as well as unnaturally the way that we engage with those that are around us too. Sometimes they are direct statements. It's something that is very straightforward. You can't dodge what's being said in those words. Other times you need to do a fair bit of digging to understand what is being meant. There's a couple passages in Proverbs where it talks about a fool and a fool, and they're two different fools. But you've got to figure out which fool you are or which fool the other person is if you're going to be engaging and applying the right kind of verse. It takes some time and it takes some study. This part of uh, wisdom literature is associated or attributed to King Solomon, um, who, the Lord asked, or who asked the Lord for wisdom, and he's known to be the wisest man of the day. And according to the Bible Knowledge Commentary for the Old Testament, Solomon presumably wrote these Proverbs to instruct his son and his students. And of course, it's recognized both within Christian and, and Jewish theological circles that each proverb is divinely inspired. And because of that, we recognize also that it's applicable for us today as well, not just in the time of Solomon. In Dwayne Garrett's New American Commentary on Proverbs, he also explains that Closer examination of these sayings can be taken either independently, so as like one verse at a time, or in the context of a grouping of Proverbs. Sometimes when you take the grouping, you can better understand the one. 
And while one proverb on its own is valid and applicable, by taking a step back and looking at some of the greater collections that are out there, greater understanding, greater context, and also greater application can be made. And so today, I'm going to be taking the former, I'm just taking one verse consideration, um, but some interesting observations we'll bring out towards the end of, of what it is that we're going to be talking about as well. So taking a closer look at these words, we're going to start off just with what comes to mind as we're looking at the, that first part of the verse, a friend. So a friend, a word study book gives some of these synonyms for a friend, a brother, a companion, a fellow, spouse, lover, or neighbor. And I think one of the, one of the things that we need to consider and remember for, to look at the, from the part of the listener who first would have been hearing this back when, uh, when Solomon wrote the Proverbs and when it was being shared as part of the wisdom literature for the Old Testament listener, um, it should have brought them back to Leviticus 19. Levitic Leviticus 19, if you're wanting to flip there, you can read through it as you're listening to me or not listening to me. Um, but you can flip to Leviticus 19, read it through. In that relationship between God and the people of Israel, he's defining how the interactions are supposed to take place between the people of Israel and each other. Based on the relationship that God has with them, based on the place that God has in their lives, he's telling them, this is how you are to, do your, uh, to go about the motions of your daily lives and how you engage with others. Because of the relationship this way, you're supposed to engage this way. And God gets pretty specific in those verses. He talks about how they plant. He talks about how they work. He talks about how they eat. He talks about all of the daily things. And the point of it, the point of it, is to be defining the relationships, true relationships that, are ought to, that ought to exist between the people of God and each other. For the New Testament believer, we're supposed to think of a number of different perspectives. Uh, there's a number of different verses that can come to mind, but one of the things that scholars have pointed to is Jesus' allusion to this in Matthew 22. I'll read those verses real quickly here. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. He said that this is one of the two most important commandments. The one being to love God more than anything else and the other to be loving your neighbor as yourself. Just as an interesting side note, the Pharisee who tested Jesus didn't ask for two. Uh, he asked just for one. When he asked Jesus' take on which was the greatest commandment, Jesus thought that the second one was significant enough to say it along with the first. And I think that's important for us today too to look at it because if Jesus thinks it's significant enough to say with the greatest commandment of loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, then it needs to be significant enough to be able to be putting that into application as well. The challenge of, do you love God? Yes. Do you love your neighbor? Ought to also be yes. So the third question is, what does that mean? That's, that's really where we're supposed to be wrestling with. What does it mean to love my neighbor? And it's in this context, and again, in the book of Proverbs, we're not looking at just the love of a neighbor in terms of recognizing your neighbor needs a wrench, I'll give you a wrench. It's supposed to be representing true friendship. And that's what we're called to as followers of Christ. 
Both of those commands given in Matthew by Jesus focus solely on what a person does with his affection and attention and then their actions. The greatest command to love God, of course, comes from Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. That's part of what every Jewish person would have grown up going to school, listening and learning to, uh, listening to and learning. And the second of the greatest commandment actually associates back to that Leviticus 19 passage, 9 to 18. So both of those being foundational commands and Levitical instruction to the people should have been known to the Jewish listeners that were listening who heard the Proverbs for the first time and back in that day. When Jesus says the second commandment is similar to the first commandment, it's likely because it's about who and how we love. We shall love our neighbor as ourselves. Whether it's the Old Testament teaching or looking further ahead when Jesus shared the story of the Good Samaritan, just a couple of, of uh, chapters further in that in Matthew, um, it's the idea of being a true friend to our brothers and sisters in community and to our neighbors and to those that are in need. Not just who the person is or not just who you are, but also how you are going to be that friend. That's what matters to God. Aside from being a friend or loving your neighbor means we can't do it on our own. It means we need to be in community. Just like Dave was reading in Ecclesiastes 4, God points to the fact that we're not meant to be going through this life on our own. God points to the fact that in this world, and Jesus says it as well, he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He doesn't say, take heart, you're on your own, but you'll get there. He says, I have overcome the world. You're not meant to do it on your own, you're meant to do it with him. And I am convinced because of the relationships that we have, because of our relationship with God and the way that he defines our relationships and builds this relationship between each other, one of the reasons why we can overcome the world is because of the person sitting beside you. Whether it's your spouse, your neighbor, the person here in this room right now, God has actually built our community in such a way that we are united beyond blood. I remember Steve West preaching one Sunday morning and he said, look around the room here. On this side of heaven, this is the closest that you're going to see of those that will be with you for eternity. For some of us here, myself included, I have blood relatives that at this point in time I will not see in heaven. But for those of us here in this room who are followers of Jesus Christ, I will see each and every one of you. That makes us family. And the challenge to us as we consider what does it mean to be a true friend, a true brother, is who can I go to in the midst of challenge and struggle and trial? If you look around the room and say, I don't know if I can go to someone in here, whether it's a feeling on my part or a feeling on your part to actually be investing in those relationships, to build that to the point where you can say, this ought to be where we go to. We talk about being a base camp for believers. It's not just this is the place where people go and teach. This is where we as followers of Christ ought to be going to be trained, to be formed, to be building into each other. I am not a military person. I do like watching those military shows though. Um, and you can see in some of the military uh, band of brothers, some of the different war movies that are out there. I see some interesting expressions on people's faces. Um, but you can see in some of these military-esque movies that there's a, a, a brotherhood and a relationship that forms as people go through conflict, through trial. Whether it's at base camp, whether it's at boot camp, where you're starting to first get to know your platoon or your squad, or eventually as you go through some of the different struggles and trials. There's people that are looking at each other 
and they've got each other's back. They're there willing to, to, to go through the thick and the thin to be able to support the other person as they are needed. And in some ways, that's what I believe, even here, this verse is also challenging us to be. Are you willing to be a friend who shows up? Are you willing to be that brother who steps into that time of adversity, that sister that steps into that time of adversity for the other? Reading again Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12 specifically, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two is better than one. Three is better yet again. So why this emphasis on being a friend? Thinking back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, even though we didn't look at that or read of that, Jesus shows the difference between people who ought to be a friend, people who ought to know better, and people who may act apart from time to time with those who truly live out what it means to be a friend in need. In the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, the apostle challenges people when it comes to loving others when he says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Obedience to loving God also includes obedience to the command to love our neighbors. And that sets us all on the path of growing the relationships with those with the intent to become true friends in trying times. There will come a time when you need that friend to show up. Or for someone else, someone else is going to need you to show up. Moving on to love. I'm not going to spend too much time here because lots of people like to define, define love. Um, but really quickly, we know, of course, that there are many different definitions for love. And in the case of Proverbs 17, 17, that word is, is translated from the Hebrew word ahab, which means to have affection for. Matthew 22, and we're going to look at a couple of those verses that I've already spoken about. Matthew 22 comes from the Greek word agapeo, which can be defined as the idea of a deliberate assent of will as a matter of principle, duty, or propriety. It's closely, closely related to phileo, which means friendship, affection, personal attachment, a matter of sentiment or feeling. Uh, and it also, that concept defines, uh, also includes the idea of thelo, which is another Greek word for love, which means to choose or to delight in, or to be resolved, determined, or to purpose. Now it's interesting for Jesus when he used the word agapeo in Matthew 22, for love, he was also, speak, if he was speaking in Greek, it would have been using the word philos for the word friend, which comes out of the word phileo. So for many of the listeners, they would have automatically assumed or understood that to be a friend means to love. And that's what Jesus is challenging people when he's talking to them saying, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So what does this mean for us? It means that we are to be people who view those in our life circle as people we willingly choose to delight in. I'll say that again. It means that to love someone or to be a friend for someone, to be a friend who loves, means that we are, one of the, one of the things that it means is that we're going to deliberately choose and willingly choose to delight in those that are around us. It means that we recognize loving others may require a deliberate action on our part based solely on following the will and command of our Savior under the agapeo love. It may not be that you 
are inclined to love someone, but you must because that's what we've been commanded to do. It also means that our love for people need to be more than surface action and needs to be greater than skin deep. It may require work and resolve both to act as well, to act in love as well as to bring ourselves to that place where we can truly love the other person. Loving others may not come naturally to us. And that makes sense because naturally we're all about us. We are selfish people. Loving you should actually be beneficial to me. And ultimately, believe it or not, it is. Um, but the reality is that God's love for us defines and shows that how we're supposed to be engaging with others. The first step to being a friend is obedience to God. And when we do that, by God's grace, we can both become accustomed to his calling and then we choose to embrace it and it becomes more natural that way. The wholeness of that verse, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Solomon intends in this verse to point out the value of a true friend and a true brother. He says, a true friend is always loving and a brother helps in trying times. Of course, it's also about our sisters out there too. A true friend and genuine brother exhibit true love in unfavorable circumstances as well as in the favorable ones. Now, there's a couple different debates in this here about that verse as, as a whole. Uh, some suggest that Solomon means to contrast a friend and a brother. So some might say it's a friend, loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Uh, others suggest the correct translation would be a brother is born of or from adversity. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes these proverbs are better understood in a greater context. And if you look at some of the verses, before Proverbs 17, 17 and afterwards, it's talking actually about quarreling and in community and, and how bad it is to quarrel with your friend and your, or your brother or your neighbor. And so some might suggest actually that the true or the more correct translation is the one where uh, it's about uh, being in community um, and that the becoming a brother or developing brotherhood is produced through journeying through danger or hardship. Quarreling separates. Walking together through adversity unites. And that's one of the things that uh, Solomon wants to challenge us and, and have us consider here today too. Regardless of which option you would ascribe to, it comes back to the same basic center, that genuine love relates to practical action. The apostle John writes, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. 1 John 2.10. And John completes the picture a chapter later when he brings the focus back to Christ, 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. A true friend or brother draws alongside a hurting person when that person experiences sickness or pain or financial distress or the loss of a loved one. Friendship doesn't have office hours. Time and circumstances should not be the factors that affect the quality of relationship that exists between people or be the foundation for acting in love. There's a, uh, one of the commentaries that Pastor RJ lent to me was by a man named Charles Bridges. And he writes this, and I'm not gonna try and recite it from memory, so it should be on the screen. He says, a beautiful picture of friendship has been drawn by moralists, sentimentalists, and poets but what passes under the name is too often brittle stuff. This fickle excitement cools by distance or by the coldness of our friend. 
degradation of worldly circumstances converts it to indifference or even into hatred. But the true friend loveth at all times, through evil as well as good report. He does not change when circumstances change. He is the same whether we are in wealth or in need. He proves himself in adversity by rising in warmth and exerting every nerve in proportion as his aid is needed. He is not ashamed by poverty or prison. Any jarrings of the flesh, adversity cements love. The loving friend becomes now a brother born for adversity. Folks, we don't need to look too far in scripture to see the truth of that either. We've got the story, just some examples, the story between Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament, the unity of heart between David and Jonathan, the faithful love of the church for the apostle Paul through his missionary journeys and trials. There are lots of places in scripture where we see the core of the person, the stuff of the relationship come up through the times of adversity. And friendship, friendship is a journey. We don't just jump into that brotherhood to be able to stand the adversities to come. The reality is that we need to work on it. And I would actually go as far to say is if you find yourself in a good time now, now is a good time to work on that friendship. Because to paraphrase or to take something from scripture too, when it is day, do it when it's day so that when the night comes, you know who to turn to. Because the night is coming. When Megan and I were on the mission field, we faced a, a number of circumstances that required us to rely on the people around us. One of the things that I remember when I first went out to the mission field was uh, a guy over there telling me, <laughs> men are islands. Shocking. Uh, men are like islands on the mission field. Um, they can be surface and they can be great to talk to, but as we go through things, we go through things on our own. Um, that's not just on the mission field, that happens to be everywhere. Um, one of the things that I was challenged was to find a mentor, to find someone that I could speak to to engage with, who could speak into me of the, the journey that he had already traveled to help teach me or be the person I could go to whenever I needed it. That was rare and hard to come by, but it was worth the investing. I had a couple of different guys that built into me and, and I can honestly say that a lot of my missionary experience and my service overseas was defined and supported by the people that I had around me. But it can be hard. Um, Megan didn't have a number, she didn't have a lot of ladies that were surrounding her, but she had a few that she could call on and be those friends in times of trouble. I remember one time when she told me a story when she was sick, I was out in the bush and she just, well, again, two, two young kids at the time, and she's like, just exhausted. And one of our friends just dropped what she was doing, showed up, told her to get to bed and just watched our kids for the night. It didn't even ask, how can I help? She just showed up. And those are the kinds of relationships that we need to be investing in and developing in others. Who, is, who knows you enough just to show up? And the flip side is, are you willing to be transparent and vulnerable enough to let somebody else show up? In 2016, Megan and I had just returned to the field. This was the last term that we had out in Burkina before coming back full time. Moses was about eight years old at the time and there was a bombing and a shooting that took place in the capital city. Sorry? Months. Did I say years? No. He was about eight weeks old. No, he was eight weeks at the time. Sorry. <laughs> Having a conversation here. <laughs> do, you, do you just want to come up and finish this off? 
Sorry. I love you. Yeah. Okay. Where was I? All right. He was eight weeks. It was 2016. He was born on November 10th. You can do the math. Um, he was eight weeks at that time when a bombing and shooting, shooting took place in the downtown part of the city we lived in. And uh, one of our friends actually was, went missing early on and he actually was, was killed in the crossfire. Um, as a missionary community, you don't get a chance to choose your teammates, but you recognize that those are the people that you're in the trenches with. And so you come alongside and you, you walk with them through the valleys that they find themselves in. We grieved and we mourned with the family who lost a father and a husband, and we also grieved and mourned with each other because the country, overnight, the country that we knew stopped existing. And that was a challenge that we all had to work and walk through. And this, I don't say this to, to put down the relationships that we had with Cresswick back here, but you guys had no idea. You did and you didn't. But it's different being in the middle of the battle and someone just reading about it on the, in the news. Um, but I thank God for the people that were with us and around us because they're the ones that helped us get it through. And I think for each of us, if we we're honest, there's, there's times and circumstances in our lives where we have people that come alongside for a period of time and I don't, we don't know how we could have done life without them. And that's the measure of what it means to be a, a true friend. As a community, you come together. Being a friend is showing up in the times of crisis and of choosing to sit in the mud and the pit with those who are hurting. And to say, I'm not afraid of being beside you in the mess you're in, even if I don't know what to say right now. Regardless of what happens, even if you don't know what to say or what to do, you still show up because you're a friend. And honestly, for us today, as we look at these verses, being a friend at all times and a brother in the times of adversity, that's, that's the challenge. Are you that friend? Do you have those people and those friends in your lives right now? It's not just friendship, it's true friendship. It's a reflection of the relationship that you have with God, with Christ. Is your relationship here coming out this way in the community that you find yourselves in? It's a reminder that we're meant to be growing true friendship with the brothers and sisters around us, ready to stand by, to support, and to help in the times of adversity. We know those times are gonna come and they're gonna continue to come and we also know that in every circumstance, Christ will give us the means to stand firm because that's part of his plan about what it means to overcome the world. Loving our, command, loving our neighbor, that's, that's a command from God. Following Christ's example is the calling that each one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have received. So today I just, I pray that each of us would recognize that true friendship is part of what it means to be part of the authentic community that Christ desires us to be as we make and build our relationships here at Cresswick with those that we send out as missionaries and supported, as you engage and support Pastor RJ, Pastor Sam, those that God has brought into our congregation as leaders, but also as we engage with our community out there. I always think back to the book of Acts when people first started calling the followers of Jesus Christ Christians. It's because of how they acted. It's because of the expression this way and it defined the relationship this way. May each of us be challenged in that today. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you again for today. I thank you, Lord, for the ways that you speak to us, 
I thank you, God, that you do not leave us in the pit, you do not leave us alone, but Lord, you send your ministering servants to walk alongside, especially in times of trouble. But God, I thank you for the reminders of what we're meant to be in terms of a true community of faith and have true relationship with one another as a reflection of that relationship with you. God, today I pray that each of us would consider this. And Lord, as we shift from a time of thinking about friendship to a time thinking about communion and fellowship together, I pray again that you would continue to guide our hearts, guide our thoughts, and to celebrate the relationship that we have in you. It's because of that relationship that we can know each other. It's because of that relationship that we can serve you. It's because of that relationship that we have not a hope of if it will come, but we have the assurance of what is to come, and that is a life spent with you and with each other. God, I just thank you again for the reminders this day, for who you are and who we are meant to be as we walk in community with you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.